Hello everyone, this is Paytech Talk. You're listening to the episode 63. I'm Alireza, I'm today your host, and I have a wonderful guest today with me. It's Nicolas Weber from Amazing Blocks. Um, Nicolas, hello. Would you like to introduce yourself and give us an overview about Amazing Blocks? Hey, Alireza, pleasure to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Nicolas. I'm head of business development at Amazing Blocks. I joined the, the blockchain space in around 2016, like most people with the, the trading side of it, but then quickly realized I, I really want to dive into the real world use cases of applying this technology and hence uh, worked on a couple of projects. Also, for instance, in, in the trade finance sector, you know, with the platform Marco Polo and the machine producer. Then one thing led to the other, to the other and I was, was part of the, the founding team of Amazing Blocks. And, yeah, what we do is we are a legally compliant tokenization startup from, from Liechtenstein. We leverage the Liechtenstein Token Act, which we can dive into a bit later, which is a unique legal framework, you know, that, that copes with the challenges of, of the emerging token economy quite well. We, we have a business model that is on the one hand uh, focused on, you know, offering consulting services, especially you know, in regards to the establishment process of legal entities in Liechtenstein, which are required, obviously, to leverage the Token Act. So here we have, for instance, on the one hand, um, templates that help with the establishment of crypto assets as initial share capital. We have a blueprint that streamlines the entire establishment process of the legal entity, right? So we, we can provide this to our clients. And, and on the other hand, we, we can also offer that we actually take care of the entire establishment process ourselves. Um, so really, we have a broad spectrum of the services we can offer here. Also, as of late, we are looking into offering a so-called turnkey tokenization solution that um, will not only offer, for instance, you know, the software and the general consulting, but also that Amazing Blocks actually basically provides the, the CEO on site in Liechtenstein, which then allows you to kind of jettison the need of, of working with a trustee. Potentially, for, for some projects, this could be interesting. And um, yeah, and then also we offer general consulting throughout the life cycle of, of tokenization projects. And on the other hand, our core business model, though, is, is um, around our software solution, which we offer. We have on the one hand, the so-called token pad, which is a software focused primarily on, on private placements, right? We have this, the software is used to, to, on the one hand, you know, mint the tokens, hence generate the, the, the digitized shares. It is used to have security features in regards to the lifecycle, like for instance, burning tokens and pausing burning tokens for those that know means basically just deleting them um, or in blockchain terms, you call it sending them to the nirvana, so to say. And um, this could be relevant, for instance, if, if you lose your private key, right? When it happens with, with, with let's say Bitcoin, it, it sucks, so to say, but, but you cannot change it. But when we're talking about uh, real assets, right? Shares of an entity, you know, you cannot just lose the, the shares of this, right? And, and hence we have this, this feature integrated. Then we also have the burning function as mentioned and the pausing function as mentioned, right? Which, which basically allows you to temporarily disable smart contracts, um, which then allows you to pause any transactions of the respective tokens. Then obviously the USP um, within the software is the digital, digital shareholder register. This digital shareholder register combines on and off-chain data, right? So basically any shareholder that is onboarded through the platform is, is entered into the digital shareholder register. And then you have it, the shareholder register in a digitized form, not <clears throat> in a paper-based document. You though can, through the software, 
you know, print it out or have it as a PDF if needed, right? For, for maybe the FMA nicht in general. So, but generally this, this solves a lot of the, the friction and, and a lot of the paperwork that is usually needed. And then there's also other functions within the software that we have such as role management. So you can assign roles to respective wallet addresses. So you can say, okay, this, this wallet address is, is maybe someone from the tech team. He cannot onboard new shareholders but he can, for instance, trigger the pausing and burning functions if there's an emergency, something like this. So you can really manage who can do what and trigger which smart contracts within the platform. And then we also have other functions like, for instance, the whitelisting, right? So only if someone is, is whitelisted, he or she can then subsequently receive or send the tokens. And also, for instance, we, we can update or the, the respective user of the platform can update the, the unique name hash, right? For basically the shareholder's information is hashed on chain, right? Which is basically allows it to uniquely identify that this specific token on chain belongs to that respective investor and other functions supporting the life cycle. And then on the other hand, we also have, um, you know, a so-called multi-asset holistic software solution, which is called the tokenization suite, which is, you know, more interesting for projects that, that address the, the public sales, right? Because here you have these, these functions that I just described from the issuer side, but you also have an intuitive investor dashboard, you know, to conduct the KYC process, AML, you know, requirements that, that need to be fulfilled, um, identity check, right? For instance, by integrating third parties like ID now. And then once this is done, you have an, you know, a customizable dashboard, right? So we can customize it for our clients because it's a white label solution that then respectively shows the necessary information that maybe the issuer wants to show or has to show from a legal side. And then you can manage your tokens and then you can also integrate third parties like banks or exchanges to this platform through an API that then function as a market maker and for, you know, for cash on and off ramp and custody, obviously. And this could technically also be used as an alternative. For instance, if you say you have an OTC trading board that is then connected to a decentralized exchange like Uniswap. So you have a, a vast degree of possibilities with this um, in terms of what you can do. And currently we are also, for instance, looking at, um, you know, the entity governance on chain, like having the, you know, so-called in German, it's the Hauptversammlung, um, you know, the general assembly, you know, so, so basically that we can also integrate this in the future. So that gave you maybe a, a broad overview. We also have obviously a, a large network in place. We're also happy to, to partner with uh, obviously Enerton and, and others, you know, from the legal side that, that we are happy to, to be in contact with, but also with, with other tech providers, with uh, accelerators. So we can also leverage this, this profound network for our clients and partners. And yeah, happy, happy to be part of your, your podcast today. Thank you, Nicholas. This was lots of information for, for the general overview. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure you, you're, you're talking about um, amazing blocks a lot, and therefore you, you probably know everything already in detail, and, and most of your, your, your contacts are also very familiar with amazing blocks and the technology and about tokenization. But let's take it one step back and maybe um, start from, from, the, from the beginning and try to, to give also to those who listen today to this podcast, who are not that much familiar with tokenization and not that much familiar with the possibility of using Liechtenstein uh, as a jurisdiction, as a token-friendly jurisdiction to, um, to, to, yeah, to establish a, a, a tokenizing business and to expand that business within the European Union, uh, maybe to do also expand it to Germany. 
So uh, I, I, I think it's very interesting also to give to the, to the listeners some general overview about uh, how it came that amazing blocks chose Liechtenstein, because as I understand, uh, amazing blocks and, uh, and, the, and the people behind it, uh, they have a German uh, background. So you're actually, you're, you're actually coming from Germany and then you chose to go to uh, Liechtenstein for several reasons, some of which you have already mentioned. But one uh, reason which is probably also interesting for those who are thinking of establishing an entity in Liechtenstein, uh, which you also can support with, uh, is uh, also going back to your own uh, establishment of amazing block. Amazing blocks. As I understand, uh, this is, is concerning the, um, the initial capital of the company. So for those of the listeners who are not familiar with the initial capital regulations, uh, it, in Germany and in Liechtenstein and Switzerland and other jurisdictions, it's pretty similar. So you usually uh, establish the company by uh, providing the contribution in cash, which is a cash amount fiat, which you normally put on a, on a bank account of the of the company you want to establish. And so for that purpose, you usually would need a bank, but you can also do it with contribution in kind. So for instance, if a shareholder wants to provide the contribution uh, by in kind, he can or he or she can take, for instance, a, a, a new company car and uh, put it in a company and evaluate it uh, as his uh, contribution, which he was supposed to, to provide uh, from, a, from a legal perspective. But you did it totally different, uh, uh, Nicholas, with Amazing Blocks. Maybe you can give an insight to the listeners how you did it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, since Liechtenstein implemented back in, in January 2020, the, the Token Act, you know, mainly it is obviously focused on the digitization of, of equity. You know, that's really the USP here um, in terms of the, the tokens. But also they, they kind of paved the way to, to found yourself with crypto as initial capital contribution. And, you know, what this means is basically you, from a legal perspective, it is considered to be a contribution in kind, but um, what it really is, is that you can have a bankless incorporation, so to say. So basically you, you have your, let's say in our case, we did it with Ether. We, we put Ether on, on a Ledger wallet. For those that don't know, Ledger Wallet is basically a, a digital portemonnaie, so to say, right? <laughs> and here, basically, um, when you have that on your wallet, you, you show it to the regulators with the document um, that you need to fill out for this. And they have a, a pretty much standardized process for this. They also, you know, a couple of months ago, released a, a clear guideline on, on how to conduct this and generally have your, your share capital in crypto assets. And um, yeah, basically, then we, we proved that this ether was was on that wallet and it belonged to to amazing blocks and um basically it was and in our case we had 261 ether on that wallet um it was on the 29th of june 2020 if i'm correct and here basically yeah we we proved that we had this and and this was basically the the yeah, the setup, right, um, and and what we, we needed to to establish the entity, and obviously for operational purposes, at a later stage we still did establish a bank account. Um, however, as people in the crypto industry probably know, it, it it can be quite difficult to establish a bank account, and it it, it can be a long-lasting process for for crypto startups especially, and hence 
you know, this provides a, a much more straightforward approach to establishing your entity, which then allows you to already start, you know, initiating the first steps of your business and, and, and start working basically. And, and then you simultaneously obviously take care of the, the bank account for the operational purposes, but it, it just eases and smooths the, the entire process. And yeah, we are happy to be probably one of the first in the world to, to be established solely with, with crypto as initial share capital. Yeah, Nicholas. I actually believe you were the first globally who did this. Um, I read it in some some newspaper, um, and I believe that's true. You were the first startup or the first company established without a bank account. You can say it fully digital. And uh, for those of you who listen, who already have set up a crypto startup or have set up a, a company which is into ICOs or STOs, Uh, you probably know what we talk about. It is very difficult to find a bank within the European Union or within the European economic area, which is accepting um, uh, you as a client with a crypto background. This is mostly related to the uh, anti-money laundering um, rules, uh, which most of the banks are very strict and they Uh, because they do not really understand the, the crypto uh, economy, they the rather uh, tend to decline clients with a crypto background than to look into that topic. Uh, I, I remember back in the days when we had the ICOs in 2017 and 2018 within the European Union, uh, I think it was only Bankhaus Frick, which is also in Liechtenstein, Uh, which accepted uh, those companies who do the ICO. Uh, however, at that time, it was quite uh, expensive, the, the costs for setting up such an account. And with your solution, what you did by um, doing this uh, contribution with crypto, contribution with Ether, uh, you, you did it without the bank and you did it uh, in a cost-efficient way. And this is due or the, thanks to the legal um, foundation which Liechtenstein gives to companies to, 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 to provide their contribution in, in crypto. And this is something I would say very interesting. And I hope that other uh, member states within the European Union will uh, provide the same solution. Um, but until then, uh, I think if a company is thinking of establishing its crypto business, also this is a good reason to, to go to Liechtenstein. A second reason which you mentioned is the, the Liechtenstein uh, so-called Blockchain Act, the uh, TVTG, um, which is uh, something they have established uh, with the focus on uh, providing the legal framework to tokenize assets. So if I would be a, a German company, uh, and for instance, I would uh, think of uh, tokenizing uh, rights and tokenizing real assets, How would that work? I would come to, to Amazing Blocks and I would ask you guys uh, if this is possible and how to do it. So maybe you can give the listeners uh, a, a small insight in what is possible with respect to tokenizing, tokenizing assets or rights in Liechtenstein and uh, why Liechtenstein is different than other European Union jurisdictions. Yeah, um, so Liechtenstein generally you know, as, as mentioned, implemented the Token Act back in January 2020. And it's, it's though a, a law that has been in the making for, for quite some time, right? There were a lot of experts involved in, in drafting it and the regulators in Liechtenstein generally were, were really, they really did a good job, right? To, to really listen to a lot of people from the legal side, but also the tech side that they involved, right? 
and then they drafted this token act which which is unlike in other jurisdictions as well like an entire new law right it's not something that where for instance in other jurisdictions sometimes there's changes to existing laws but the token act really is an entire new law and you know it revolves basically on the so-called token container model so basically here the, the token functions as the container from the underlying asset, the right, the claim to it. And, and hence, basically this, this more or less allows you to tokenize almost everything, so to say. And um, so hence, you know, basically how this would go is that for instance, you have, you have a, you establish an SPV in Liechtenstein and then this SPV packages um, the respective assets, so to say. So let's say, let's assume you have, you know, a real estate property in, in Germany and, and you want to tokenize it to Liechtenstein, then you would go to Amazing Blocks. We would we would advise and help with the entity establishment of the SPV. The SPV would then hold the respective asset, the real estate property, and then you would tokenize the equity, right? And then you would have so-called true equity tokens, which are at the end of the day digitized shares. And since Liechtenstein is also a member of the European Economic Area, you can also then passport them as, as normal securities, um, you know, to the entire European economic area. And uh, we also wrote an article about this. So anybody that's interested in this topic, feel free to, to read it. But anyway, so generally, you know, the SPV then is, is basically what, what holds the asset. And then when you tokenize the SPV, you can then sell it as, as, as digitized shares at the end of the day to the respective investors. And this gives a lot of benefits in regards to or in comparison to you know, other jurisdictions where there's no straightforward approach. And even people are now talking about, for instance, so-called stock tokens, um, you know, on Binance, right, and, and everything. But really, at the end of the day, these are derivatives. This is, we are not talking about equity, right? And with Liechtenstein, it's different because here we are actually talking about equity. And this is really the USP that Liechtenstein at least currently provides. I mean, for instance, uh, Switzerland also followed suit in, in regards to progressive regulations. But I would say still Liechtenstein has a bit of more of an advantage because they have that uh, entire new law that they implemented and also because they have a more direct access to the European economic area. And hence, you know, Liechtenstein is really, I would say, probably at least currently the, the most progressive jurisdiction when it comes to, you know, handling the, the token economy. Yeah, so before we talk about the assets which you can tokenize, which I believe is one of the main um, pros or, or advantage of Liechtenstein, mm -hmm. I would just like to summarize uh, what what why Liechtenstein is different? So for those who are who have looked into tokenizing assets, I would say uh, assets in, in an approach sense, um, you you may have witnessed that um, in the last uh, let's say one two years, uh, all the ICOs STOs they are rather related to tokenizing rights uh, than tokenizing the real assets, so the equity or the asset itself, uh, and this is also from an is insolvency uh, perspective very important because if you tokenize a right and you as a token holder you would become the right holder and depending if it's um, in most cases it's, it's 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 a debt capital instrument so uh, but in some cases it's also maybe an equity capital instrument but rather a debt capital instrument but from an insolvency perspective if the issuer becomes insolvent and uh, you would be the 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 one holding the rights against this entity, you may uh, not get uh, satisfied in this insolvency procedure, procedures because you would be uh, categorized as a, 
as an uh, yeah as uh, on 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 a list of of uh, of claim holders uh, at the end of the list most likely and therefore you would probably uh, look uh, into your 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 rights and see that you cannot get whatever you you're supposed to get and this is different when you talk about tokenizing assets a real asset you become an an owner uh, maybe a fractional owner of the asset in that case if the issuer becomes insolvent the issuer and its its own assets will be will be part of the insolvency assets so called but uh, the assets which are owned by you and other investors uh, they are not part of this insolvency assets and therefore also many people prefer to to go to the tokenizing of real assets rather than tokenizing rights and, and of course the second reason uh, why tokenizing assets is interesting because you can start tokenizing let's say collectibles or assets people are interested in rather than rights or companies which no one knows and no one really understands how it works so you go to assets like collectibles let's say automotive you go to uh, yeah let's say luxury goods like shoes or sneakers or watches and other things which you can tokenize and i believe this is something uh, Lichtenstein is, is is very good for so we can discuss it in a bit and the second thing i think which we also should um, highlight is that this um, Lichtenstein law the token or the blockchain act as it's called it is a civil law um, so it, it gives a civil background and it gives civil law cl- uh, clarification on how to do the tokenization so for those of you who are looking into the german law you most likely are aware of the so called electronic securities act which is uh, now has been implemented uh, um, um, implemented sorry has passed the 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 legislative proceedings uh, last week so it becomes law rather soon which will give in germany some clarification with respect to civil law but with respect to european regulatory law is what you said nicolas very important um uh, given that Liechtenstein is a member of the European Economic Area you can have securities uh, and you can uh, take these securities in your in your with your prospectus give it to the Liechtenstein regulator and then passport it within the European Union maybe you can um touch on this a little bit uh, Nicolas describe how you can have this um securities uh, in a in a and get it into the prospectus and then with the Liechtenstein regulator the FMA and then passported to other european economic uh, jurisdictions such as germany yeah definitely i mean here you know basically in terms of the the passporting itself you know basically from the from the start you know it would be the same process you know as, as uh, you know not from the legal side but generally from the establishment of the entity right where, where you establish the entity um you you basically package that respective asset into the entity and then once once this is done right you you apply to or you basically you establish the prospectus right and, and together with with lawyers right and then you 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 kind of list all the respective information that is needed in regards to the, the retail investors that would require this prospectus right when you're talking about private placements though it, it, it's a bit different right you wouldn't need this prospectus for instance um there in Liechtenstein we have a, an 8 million threshold basically until which there there's no prospectus even required when we're talking about private placements but when we obviously talking about public sales of these respective tokens once once this uh, prospectus has been filed and 
um, you know, admitted basically by the by the FMA in Liechtenstein. Um, it, it is considered or it can be considered as a normal perspective by the European Economic Area's regulations and uh, standards, right? And um, once the approval period is basically fulfilled um, and you have a, a certain degree of certainty, so to say, um, and then the approval will be granted. Um, and hence, you know, you can then um, issue these respective tokens or generally offer these tokens as normal securities in, in the other European Economic Area jurisdictions. And obviously this basically, you know, opens the doors for a much vaster degree of, of on the one hand, fungibility in regards to secondary market liquidity. And on the other hand, also generally to, to much more investors, right? Because there's much more platforms where you could list as tokens. You could, you know, they could be traded at a bank in, in Germany. They could be traded at an exchange in, in another jurisdiction in, in Europe that has the necessary, obviously, licenses to list security tokens or generally securities, so to say. And, and hence, you know, this, this basically, yeah, they, this opens the doors where you say, okay, there's not so much of a difference anymore between normal shares and, and tokens, right? Because at the end of the day, these are digitized shares. And um, so I think sometimes people think that tokenizing is, is some kind of magic, but at the end of the day, it's just applying blockchain technology to have a much more efficient tool. And as you mentioned also correctly, right, that fragmentalization of, of these respective assets is a huge benefit because now assets that have not been accessible before become accessible to, to a larger scale of investors, right? And, and then generally you have a much vaster degree of, of what you can do with these assets. You, you can in the future integrate them into DeFi and, and, and things like this, right? So it, it's really amazing, um, no pun intended, <laughs> um, at, uh, to see, you know, that, that now these type of uh, so far maybe sometimes exclusive assets become available to the broad public through this. Yeah, yeah th th this is this is very interesting. I mean, maybe maybe to put it in a, in a nutshell. So for also for those who, who try to understand what is the difference between let's say tokenizing the asset in, in Germany and tokenizing in Liechtenstein. So in Liechtenstein, you would set up this SPV. The SPV would become the owner of the assets you would tokenize. The investors, uh, they would become shareholders of that SPV. And uh, as I understand, the, 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 the Liechtenstein civil law and the corporate law um, gives the right framework to, um, to tokenize the assets or to make the assets become the assets of the company. And on the other side, to become the, oh, the investors, um, not just owners of the, of the company, but also indirectly um, the owners, uh, fractional owners of the underlying assets. I think this is very important. And um, there are some, 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 yeah, some, some techniques you can do that. Uh, this is something we should not uh, go into detail here. So anyone who's interested in that can uh, approach uh, Nicholas uh, later on. Um, but uh, I think this is, I think, uh, very, very much the, 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 the benefit of, of taking Liechtenstein. But looking at the assets and, and tokenizing the assets, uh, I think something which is also very interesting from, from, the, from this uh, Liechtenstein blockchain slash token act, uh, this physical validator, uh, which is mentioned there. Um, can you explain a little bit to the listeners what the physical validator is and how this person comes into play when we talk about tokenizing assets. Yeah, definitely. So when we're talking about, you know, so-called the tokenization of everything, obviously, then especially with, with certain assets, like for instance, art, right? Um, 
it is crucial that we have some kind of neutral party that validates that that this asset is real, right? Because um, when we integrate the physical world and the digital world, there, there could be also a lot of room for fraud, fraudulent actions, right? And hence, when drafting the token act, um, you know, and, and, and the the you know drivers behind this were also in close talks with the FMA in Liechtenstein, right? And and hence they jointly kind of uh, established this new role, this new service provider, so to say, of the physical validator. And here, basically, they have to though register obviously with the FMA in Liechtenstein first. They have to apply for for a certain license. And once this is done, the physical validator basically has the duty to identify the hold of the tokens on the one hand, and then on the other hand, um, verify that the respective asset, which whether it's an art piece or, or a diamond or, or whatever it may be, um, actually has, you know, the contractual enforcement of the represented rights and obligations, and also the the, the realness of the respective assets. So basically, it, it kind of, the physical validator is responsible to, to establish or to kind of, you know, set the guidelines for for correct, uh, you know, business process, so to say. So in, in, in that case, for instance, if um, anything happens, like if the physical validator could also have a certain role, if, if, if the listeners maybe remember earlier when I was talking about the burner or the pauser, for instance, right? So if there's any emergency or any issue, then the physical validator could also be assigned that certain burning and pausing role within the software and then have actually an influence in regards to preventing any, you know, mischief, so to say, or, or actually, you know, when there's something done against the law, right, that they, they can interfere with it and, and kind of have like a, a stance on that regard. So they kind of also, they could be described as the so-called police of the, you know, token economy, right? And, and, and they have a very crucial role, right? Because there's obviously, sadly, a lot of fraudulent actions still in the crypto space, space happening. And hence, this, this role is, is quite crucial to, to you know, make sure that, that we, we comply with all the laws and regulations that are needed to kind of, you know, on the one hand, foster, you know, the token economy and on the other hand, also to protect the, the people leveraging these tokens. Yeah, I think this, this is a very important point you, 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 you brought up. And I think for, for, for those who, who, who are putting themselves in an investor perspective, this physical validator is giving trust and some way of certainty for the, for the investors that they invest in whatever it is marketed to the investors. So for instance, if you would go to a classical investment, to a traditional investment, so you would um, uh, acquire a security from a company, you would usually look into its, uh, let's say annual report into its planned figures, which would be normally um, audited. So by a third party, and this would give you trust that the figures, which are mentioned in a, let's say annual report, uh, they are true. However, when we look at the ICOs, which have happened uh, in the last years, um, in that case, an auditor would not give you any certainty, any trust, because these companies uh, during the ICOs, they were just established for the ICO. So there are no historical figures available. So there is no annual report available. And hence, um, those investors, they would fully just rely on the white paper on any marketing information. So if you look, for instance, at the case of Envion, 
I think this is a nice example of a, a German startup which went to Switzerland to make use of the Swiss law and to then distribute their uh, yeah, uh, STO or their, their token uh, with uh, Swiss prospectors. Uh, and at, in that case, I think it's very interesting if you look at that case, uh, PwC was the auditor which then um, cancelled the, the audit of that company, which was also the reason why this Envian company went into liquidation. Uh, and then in the end, uh, uh, the, whatever was promised to the investors was never fulfilled and no one uh, checked the white paper in the promise of that uh, company uh, in the beginning. And I think this is, if you now look at the Liechtenstein uh, uh, environment and Liechtenstein law, this physical validator is doing something very important in that respect. It gives trust to the investors by saying that whatever is promised to be tokenized uh, is really there and I checked it for you and it is really what is promised in the documentation. And I think this is, gives a, I would say, a second layer of, of trust. So the first layer would be the blockchain, but uh, the blockchain cannot look into the real world. And the real world, the real assets, is something you need a, a real person who's checking that. And this is the uh, physical validator. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a crucial role, right, to, to allow the synchrony of, of these two worlds, I think. And... Uh, so definitely, I think that that kind of comparison that layer two, <laughs> I mean, layer two is a, a hot topic in the blockchain space right now, but uh, that definitely, you know, is a good a good example that you mentioned that basically is that second layer of trust, right? Because on the one hand, you have trust on chain, but you also need, you know, a trusted entity or a trusted third party off chain that uh, that also allows, you know, that bridge basically between the two worlds. So so there is definitely um, a growing trend, I would say, and and in Liechtenstein that this role is, is, is implemented into business processes and there's a lot of people now interested in actually obtaining the necessary licenses for this role. So it, it will definitely become even more relevant. And I think also in other jurisdictions, they will probably at least take note of, of how this is handled in Liechtenstein with the physical validator, and then um, subsequently potentially also have a similar role within their their the new laws that they potentially and hopefully will implement to cope with this uh, you know emerging token economy. Yeah. So uh, as I promised uh, a couple of minutes ago, uh, I would also like to discuss with you. Uh, looking at the assets, what can be tokenized. So we talked about um, art, we talked about um, debts or let's say, uh, yeah, rights which could be tokenized. But when we look now at the market, NFTs are very interesting. So non-fungible token, uh, which could uh, represent um, also an asset like art, but it could also represent a collectible like uh, sport players or football player cards, as you see it in Sorare. Uh, but it's also very now getting, uh, uh, I would say, uh, on vogue for the music industry, where music labels and music producers are thinking of uh, tokenizing uh, music or the rights uh, to the music. Uh, um, so what, what is your view on that, Nicholas? Is, is that something interesting and something you would say this is also possible uh, in, in Liechtenstein, and this is something where you amazing plug, plugs can uh, support with. In regards to the music industry or generally? In general. So when we talk in general about tokenizing everything, mm -hmm. so literally everything, 
is, is what, what is your take on that? Uh, I mean, maybe you can give some examples what could be tokenized. Uh, and uh, as, as I'm aware, you're also working now on a publication where it's going on tokenizing IP rights. So this is maybe something also interesting. So just to give the listeners some more insight about what is right now possible in respect of tokenizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, generally, I would say there's, in, in regards to it, let's just, uh, you know, take the Liechtenstein approach, right? Um, basically, anything can be put into this container, so to say, right? Um, any type of asset and right. Um, and hence, you know, whether it is real estate, whether it is IP, whether it is Jenny an art piece, whether it is, you mentioned, I think, a sneaker, which I think to at least sneakerheads could also be an interesting tokenization use case, right? So basically anything can be uh, tokenized based on the token container model, as long as you somehow package it also into this, this SPV, right? Currently the hottest tokenization use cases, so to say, on the one hand, generally the true equity tokenization for, for entities, right? So assume you have maybe two or three, and that's a typical use case that we receive at Amazingworks, two or three entities, maybe GmbH or so in, in Germany, and you just want to establish a holding for this and then and, and leverage this to, to have a more efficient way to fundraise or something like this, or, or just hold your assets. And hence, this could be an interesting use case, right, for, for the private equity sector, which is at least currently also, I would say, the low-hanging fruit, right? Because so far, there is not as much liquidity in the secondary market of, of security tokens as one would, would hope and think, maybe. Because even if you look at the larger platforms, like, for instance, T0 in the US or so, and the respective liquidity that they have, it, the 24-hour trading volume here is maybe around 10 to 15 K right for the larger projects there, which is from a neutral perspective something, but from a crypto or or if you put on the crypto or the financial glasses, so to say, then it's not really much, right? And and hence, you know, private equity is really something that is is, is demanded and, and wanted, right? Because obviously the private equity sector is also larger than you know the the the, the public uh, equity sector, so to say. Also, in, in regards to the more, I would say, attractive, so to say, use cases, um, real estate is really, I would say, the hottest topic right now. So we, we get a lot of requests, and, and, and I mentioned it earlier, right? You can, you know, have have a real estate property somewhere. You package it into an SPV, and then subsequently tokenize it, which is is quite interesting. But also, I think um, with this entire NFT trend that has been emerging over the past months and IP, as you mentioned correctly, is, is really where I also see personally, you know, a great demand and need, right? Because, you know, when we look at the IP sector in general, it, it's quite fragmented, right? And there's not no clear standardization, there's there's agencies and, and so on, right? But, you know, it, it differs in every jurisdiction. And if you apply for, you know, like IP rights in, in some jurisdiction or to basically patent something in one jurisdiction and it's not guaranteed that's in another. And it's generally a very, you know, fragmented industry. And here tokenization can provide a certain degree of standardization. And um, Liechtenstein here provides potentially the opportunity to have, you know, legally compliant NFTs even because when you look at the NFT craze, you know, one issue that I see and correct me if I'm wrong from the legal side, but is that when we're talking about tokenizing IP and there's not no clear regulatory guidance, then this is quite difficult because 
what prevents this person that issues the NFT for that respective IP from just issuing another NFT for the same, you know, IP, right? And and hence, you know, the, it is more focused on trust than actually a clear guidance from the regulatory side, which could, uh, you know, be done through Liechtenstein with, with a much more straightforward and standardized approach. And generally art tokenization is, is interesting as well, which I think, um, can allow people that so far haven't had access to, you know, art pieces or the ownership of it, um, you know, have at least fractionalized ownership of the respective art pieces. Like imagine having ownership in, or at least partial ownership in, let's say the Mona Lisa, right? Or data tokenization, I think. Um, I mean, the guys from Ocean Protocol are doing a great job in, in regards to providing more access to this. Um, generally, basically anything also, you know, um, commodities generally is, is, is quite an interesting use case. And because when you tokenize all these type of assets, and I mean, there's a lot of other use cases. Um, I mean, it would probably be too long to mention all of them. But generally, you know, also what I find interesting is that, you know, you can then also integrate them into the DeFi space, right? Which wasn't possible before. You can basically collateralize it and regain liquidity when you invest in assets and things like this, which, which to at least to some assets, right, uh, wasn't possible when you ba basically buy a one million paint a dollar worth of painting, right? Then there's no way you you have some sort of liquidity back. But if you tokenize it, you can collateralize it and then have at least some sort of liquidity, at least uh, temporarily, right? And this just opens the doors for much more, I think, dynamic uh, industry, right, where where we kind of yeah, rejuvenate or even revolutionize the way we, we consider value exchange. And I think this is where Liechtenstein really is a pioneer in regards to the legal side. And, and, and I hope that other jurisdictions, and I assume they will follow suit, and then really the tokenization of everything will probably be possible in, in all over the world in the future. There was a, there was a nice uh, sum up of, of uh, what we were discussing so far. So you can literally tokenize everything in, in Liechtenstein. You have good access to the European economic area, uh, given that Liechtenstein is a member of that. Um, you have a, a, a physical validator who can give trust to the investors, which was missing until now. And uh, given that also Liechtenstein is very close to uh, Germany, I believe that uh, this is also interesting for those German companies who uh, struggle with, with the German civil law in respect of tokenizing assets. So to, that's putting it in, in a nutshell. Um, uh, I very much enjoyed talking to you, Nicholas, but given the time, uh, I, I would say we, we, we just uh, uh, don't say a goodbye, but say see you again, because I think we will see each other again uh, by, by uh, providing some publications together or maybe even having another podcast in a different format. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would like to thank you very much for, uh, for being today my guest, Nicholas, and uh, also to anyone listening now, uh, you will find more information as always on our podcast website. You will, there will be links. Uh, or you can see links here uh, where you can also see publications of Nicolas on the uh, topic of uh, tokenizing. And of course, uh, you will also find the personal information of Nicolas. And if there are any questions you may have, do not hesitate. Just reach out straight to Nicolas, uh, who is a great guy and will give you more information as, if you need it. So thank you, Nicholas. Thank you for being here today with us. And uh, I will talk to you soon, hopefully. Looking forward to it. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Nicholas.